they've been married for 30 years. He's a pioneer of Catholic lay evangelization, and she has a master's degree in theology. Put on the coffee and get ready to open the scriptures. It's time for Bible with the Barbers. Now, here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome to the Bible with the Barbers. Mary Danielle, last weekend you were at three different, two or three different places <laughs> uh, teaching people about the Bible. And if you have brand new people that are on today, I want to welcome them to the show. Amen. And uh, especially the ones, where were we the other day? We were in Hollywood, yes, right? Yes, we were. And we had some on-fire Catholics there. We did. Christ the King Christ parish. the King Parish. Beautiful, so beautiful. If you want Mary to come to your parish to d- talk about, uh, you know, the Bible, just call uh, Virgin Most Powerful Radio at 877-526-2151. But honey, we got some soul food here today. Yes, we do. We want to start start off with the gospel of the day. And this is the 12th week in ordinary time. And the gospel is the gospel of Matthew chapter 7, mm-hmm. verse 6, and then verses 12 through 14. Mm-hmm. Jesus said to his disciples, Do not give what is holy to dogs, or throw your pearls before swine, lest they trample them underfoot, and turn and tear you to pieces. Do to others whatever you would have them do to you this is the law and the prophets enter through the narrow gate for the gate is wide and the road broad that leads to destruction and those who enter through it are many how narrow the gate and constricted the road that leads to life and those who find it are few. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. And we ask the Holy Spirit to enlighten us and mm-hmm. our holy angels to enlighten us as we look at this scripture today. And it just, Jesus starts out by saying, do not give what is holy to dogs or throw your pearls before swine, lest they trample them underfoot and turn and tear you to pieces. And the things of God are holy. And by the way, The liturgy is not man-made. Our Catholic liturgy didn't come from man. It came from God, and it is holy. This is not banal. It's not vulgar, meaning it's not just common and of the world. It's sacred and set apart, and we're not supposed to drag it through the mud or make it entertainment. Mm. That's part of not giving what is holy to dogs and casting your pearls before swine. We're not there at church to worship ourselves or worship each other or be entertained. We're there to worship God. As a matter of fact, when we go to Mass, we're there to enter into the Paschal mystery of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We're supposed to be entering into his entire Paschal mystery, his Last Supper, his crucifixion and death, with all of the suffering that went between the Last Supper and the crucifixion, mm-hmm. his burial, his resurrection, and his glorification in heaven. And all of that is there, and that's what we're supposed to be meditating on. That's our active participation, is to unite ourselves with Christ at the altar and place ourselves on the patent with Christ. There's only one priest, Jesus Christ, the high priest. So when you have people say, I don't get anything out of Mass, isn't it a good question to say, what did you bring? What did you put into it? Have you put yourself into it? Have you offered yourself on the patent with our Lord Jesus Christ and asked him to offer you to the Father? Have you offered Jesus to the Father? You know that in the Mass, you can offer Jesus to the Father. This is our offering. Jesus Christ is our offering, and we're supposed to unite our entire life to him. Everything. And by the way, don't be ashamed of your sins in the sense of trying to hide them from God. 
God knows what our sins are. He came to save sinners. You can rejoice that you're a sinner because that makes you a candidate for salvation from Jesus Christ. That doesn't mean you go on sinning. Jesus said, repent and believe the gospel. Go and sin no more. This is what he would tell people. And this is what the apostle said. We have to give up the sins. But we need to be present and actively participating. And that means our whole heart needs to be united to what Christ did on Calvary. And not only on Calvary, but his resurrection and his glorification. So we want to fully participate in that. And we want to unite ourselves to Christ and offer that. And, you know, it's interesting. In the Old Testament, remember the Jews were carried off into exile. And when they were carried off into exile, the temple was desecrated. And all the vessels of the temple were carried off. And they were kept in the king's treasury. Mm -hmm. And in the book of Daniel, you have this incidence where the king of Babylon brings out the temple vessels. For what purpose? To serve wine to his guests. And you know what? A hand appeared and wrote on the wall. And none of his wise men could interpret it. So they sent for Daniel, the Jewish boy. And God tells him what it is. You've desecrated God's temple vessels and your days are numbered. Mm-hmm. Your time is up. You've committed your last mortal sin. God, your life will be taken from you tonight. Wow. It was not a, a pretty message. And yet Daniel didn't mince words and he didn't try and ba- He said he told him exactly what it meant. And, he, and your kingdom is going to be taken away from you and divided because you've desecrated the vessels of God's temple. What is set aside for the liturgy is sacred and it belongs to God. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't belong in the common, ordinary, everyday life. It's different. It's set aside. And then Jesus goes on to say, do to others whatever you would have them do to you. And he says that this sums up the law and the prophets. You know, oftentimes we treat people badly. We get upset. We get angry. We respond emotionally to a situation. And we yell and scream at people. And it's like, well, do I really want people to treat me that way? I don't stop and think. And our emotions can do that to us. Oftentimes we, we react emotionally and we don't stop and think. But stop and think. After you've reacted that way, if you didn't think about it beforehand, think about it afterwards and say, you know what? I need to do something to begin to guide and direct these emotions in a way that they're not leading me away from God. Remember, Jesus said, whatever you do to the least of my brothers, you do to me. So when you start telling other people that they're worthless or they're no good, I don't care what the measure you're using to measure them is you're not acting in a godly way. You're acting in a worldly way. You're acting in a sinful way, quite frankly. And that offense is against God because you're degrading yourself, first of all. And, you know, sin degrades us. And that's another thing. Just, I want to go back to that first verse. I forgot. There's an allegorical interpretation of every, every passage of scripture. What's the allegory here? Do not give what is holy to dogs or throw your pearls before swine. We're holy. We were baptized. And when we were baptized, we became temples of the Holy Spirit. We're not supposed to give ourselves over to sin and vice. When we give ourselves over to sin and vice, we're giving what is holy to dogs because we're holy. God made us holy. He came to dwell in us in baptism. And we're casting the pearls of God's grace before swine when we sin or live a vice life, an unvirtuous life. 
We're not here to serve our flesh or to serve the world. We're not here to live um, self-indulgence and to live for pleasure. Jesus Christ told Pilate, my kingdom is not of this world. We're here to imitate Christ and to be like him, to give up the things of this world so that we can gain heaven. When we sin, we're cast, we're taking what is holy and throwing it to the dogs. And we're casting our pearls before swine. Because you know what? You know what happens when we sin? We become like dogs. We become like the swine. When man sins and gives himself over to sin, he becomes lower than the animals. Lower. Man will do things that no animal would ever do when he gives himself over to sin. We need to turn to God and beg him for the grace. And part of that has to do with how we treat our brothers. Mm. How are we treating other people? We don't have a right to say, well, that person's worthless. Everybody has a worth, and their worth is their dignity that God gave them when he made them in his image. And we can't measure people just by a worldly standard. When we do that, we're acting like extreme dualists. Oh, well, yeah, I have one foot in the heavenly world, and I have one foot in the earthly world, and I can judge by the earthly world, and I can... No, that's an extreme dualism. That's not the Christian faith. The Christian faith is that we are a whole person, body, soul, and spirit, and that our body is good and holy. And even if I can't serve, even if I can't make money or if I can't do great things in this world that makes the world say, wow, isn't that person successful? Isn't he wonderful and great? You know, he's got a great job. He's got a great education. It doesn't matter. God sees what's in the heart. And there are a lot of people who are unsuccessful in the eyes of the world who are extremely successful in the eyes of God. I'll give you an example. The stories always arrest the brain. What Mary's talking about was a good man named Saint Blessed, well, Blessed Andre Bassett, now a saint. Right. And he had difficulty in schooling. Yes, he did. And his order, the Holy Cross Fathers, were much of them were educated PhDs. Right. And... A lot of people looked down at him because he was the door guy. He would open the door. He open, yeah, the doorkeeper. But that, he's a doorkeeper, <laughs> but that's how he served God. And when time came for Lent, and the brothers all at dinner time were reading from different books while they ate, they were reading meditations. And this particular meditation was on the Passion of Christ. And so they went over to Brother Andre and said, Brother, what do you have to say about this? And he didn't have a book. He just gave them a great meditation about Christ and him crucified. And the brothers went, what? What book did you get that out of? We want a, you know, we want a copy of that book. Yeah. And he says, I didn't get that book. I didn't get that message out of a book. <laughs> well, where did you get it? Kneeling down in front of a crucifix. That's where I got that meditation from. Exactly. What's the point? Yeah. A simple soul who loved God. Right. And, you know, he, yes, he didn't have a PhD. Yes, right. he wasn't teaching college. But he served God in the way that God asked him to serve. Right. That's the key. Uh, absolutely. And you know, another story that might illustrate it Tell is that the shepherd children of Fatima, oh, beautiful. St. Jacinta and St. Francisco. Hold your thought. We're going to let that, that's a teaser. Amen. A great story about the saints from Our Lady of Fatima's message to th- little, three little children. You're listening to the Bible with the barbers. And we're excited about the Bible. Can Amen. you tell? Amen. <laughs> and when you come back, you'll hear this beautiful testimony of story about the three children of Fatima. Here, we'll be back in a moment. Don't turn that dial. Virgin Most Powerful, pray for us. Amen. 
buying or selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites the Terry and Jesse Show. And they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow! That's 80%. Realestateforlife.org, 877-LIFE-US-1. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. engineer told us in the chat room people are talking about praying rosaries and novenas and stuff and somebody asked the question are litanies a waste of time absolutely not Not. oh my gosh the litanies of the church oh my heavens as a matter of fact the church used to pray the litany of the saints whenever there were great struggles going on in the church and the litany of the saints doesn't end with naming the names of all the saints and saying pray for us and all the litany of the saints is Find a prayer book that has the full litany. It's fantastic. And it's extremely helpful to stop and meditate on. Like you have the litany of the sacred heart, the litany of the precious blood, the litany of Jesus, priest and victim. You have the litany of the Holy Ghost. You have the litany of humility. You have the litany of our blessed mother, which is fantastic. The litany of St. Joseph, the litany of the saints. Meditate. Don't just pray them. So oftentimes when people pray litanies, I I think the the down the downfall, uh, side of litanies as people say, uh, St. Joseph, pray for us. Uh, Tower of David, pray for us. Hark of the Covenant, pray for us. And, and we don't think about it. Stop and think about what you're saying. What does this mean? You know, St. Joseph, who was he? Meditate on who he was. Terror of demons, you know, protector of the church, model of artisans, you know, it's just mirror of justice and, and you know, Incredible titles. Just, no, the litanies are not a waste of time. Believe me, they're not a waste of time. Awesome. When I was a little kid, my mother used to, um, she used to pray the litanies with us after Mass. We'd go to the Sacred Heart statue and Blessed Mother statue and St. Anthony and St. Joseph, and we'd pray the litanies. And so I grew to love the litanies. They were, it was, because it's like, it's a, you know, you, you, someone says one thing and then you say pray for us or have mercy on us if it's to Jesus. And there's this sing song back and forth I don't know. It was just very appealing to me as a child. I loved it. Just a quick note. People asking questions on the app. uh, Many of those questions, probably 90% of them are answered by you. Mm -hmm. And so um, more than happy to do that. But I still want to ask people, this is a little plug. We're sending out social media of Dr. Scott Hahn, who, you know, we both listened to all of his recordings the past 30 years. But there's a interview that we did with Dr. Hahn 30 years after we recorded his conversion story. And I'd like to ask our listeners if they would forward that email, that social media, to your friends. Because we are using this to try and reach people with Virgin Most Powerful, showing that we have other shows to do. And you, our listener, are really instrumental in doing that because you can send it to all your friends. Amen. Amen. Thank you. So we were going to talk a little bit about the the three the little children at Fatima, you know, and here they were. They were little children. They're, they were shepherd children, very simple, lived in poverty. They weren't rich. They didn't have a lot. Um, happy, just normal children. And the angel appears to them and teaches them how to pray and make sacrifices. And then our Blessed Mother appears to them. And she asks them to, will they make, will they give themselves totally to God for his purpose? 
And they say yes. Lucia was nine. Francisco was seven. Jacinta was six. Mm. My goodness. Little children. Now, the world looks at little children and says, oh, well, whatever. They can't do anything. Mm. Well, what's interesting is even the church, even within the church, you had this resistance. Well, we can't canonize children because they're really not capable of heroic virtue. Well, you know what? God showed us different, didn't he? (laughs) God chooses the weak and he makes them strong in serving them. These little children, now Francisco and Jacinta died within two years of Our Lady appearing to them. Mm. So they were no more, they weren't even 11 and 12 years old yet. And they are both saints. They did more for the world and for the church than any wealthy millionaire. Mm. The, the wealthiest man in the world has not done anything in comparison to what these little children did for the church. Well said. And they gave themselves to God as sacrifices, and they sacrificed and prayed for the church. And Jacinta especially prayed for the Holy Father. And I might interrupt and say that today is no, not like it's, it's very much again. There's prayers that need to be said. We have relatives, friends, everybody listening has someone who's left the church. Amen. And our prayers have power. Our Lady said souls are going to hell because there's no one there to pray and make sacrifices. And if you don't mind me backing up on your readings, I know we're in the second segment, but I did want to ask you, Mary Danielle, about entering through the narrow gate. What is that referred to? Well, here it is. Jesus is telling us that the, the road to lead, that leads to heaven is is narrow. What? Did, that, what? There, yeah, the road that leads to heaven is narrow. It's arduous. Getting to heaven isn't easy. So not it's even, simple. Oh. It's simple. And Mother Teresa said that. It's yeah. simple. Well, what do I mean by simple? You need to ask God every day. But the arduous task is to get up again every single day when you see yourself falling into sin Mm -hmm. and not being able to overcome bad habits or whatever. And instead of allowing the enemy to discourage you and have you focus on yourself and feel sorry for yourself and I can't do this. Mm -hmm. No, you can't do it. We can't make ourselves saints. God makes us saints. (laughs) You know, know, Mother Teresa told people, she said, sanctity is not the option of the few. It's the simple duty of us all. It's a hard work, though. It's like scaling a very high mountain. If you want a good, good set on this, go to opusangelorum.org and get Scaling the Heights of Hope by Father William Wagner. You can get that on the website, opusangelorum. That's all one word in Latin, opusangelorum.org. And then you can click on English or Spanish, whatever language you speak, and you can order Father William's set scaling the heights of hope. And he talks about this, this arduous task, because we have to continually humble ourselves before the Lord and say, Lord, I need you. I can't do this, but you can do it in you. I give you permission. Mm. But every day I have to renew that. Mm. And I can't allow myself to focus on myself or feel sorry for myself or allow the enemy to get in there and say, oh, you're such a sinner. You're so miserable. You're so wretched. And if he can't get you that way, he's going to say, oh, look at all the fasting you did. Look at all the prayers you said. Now he's trying to get you to be prideful. You know, (laughs) St. Faustina one night, she'd been praying in the chapel. Oh, this is a good one. She's going back to her cell and these wild beasts just gather around her. We're going to devour her. Look at all the souls she stole from us tonight and we're going to tear her apart. And and, and of course, their their aim was to get her to say, oh yeah, I'm I'm so good. I did such wonderful things for God. Mm -hmm. And instead, she looks at him and she says, do whatever God allows you to do. 
They were gone. All those wild beasts were demons and they were trying to fall, get her to fall in pride because they couldn't get her any other way. Yeah. And so she, she, but she gave it, no, it's the Lord. Do whatever God says. If God tells you to tear me apart, amen, I'm willing to accept his will. And how many of us are willing? It's like, okay, Lord, I, uh, uh, yeah, it's an arduous task, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So yeah, it, you know what? Not everybody goes to heaven. And yes, there is a hell and yes, there are people there. I can't say who's there other than uh, Jesus said that it would have been better for the son of perdition, Judas, if he had never been born. So, so you're of the thought that Judas uh, went to hell. Yeah, I think it's real clear from the scriptures. And, and at the council of um, Trent, Trent, it also clearly teaches that. The church teaches it. So, you know, we're, we're safe to say that. Yes, there are souls in hell. And the reality is, is we're not all saints. And, and here's the deal. If you're aiming to get to purgatory, uh, you know, those movies where they take the bow an arrow and the, you know, they're going to win the, the archery contest and they're aiming directly at the bullseye yeah. and they shoot at the bullseye and they get it. Not true. How many of you really studied archery? You know, an arrow tra- travels in an arc. That's right. You have to aim high. If you want to hit that bullseye, you have to hit You have to aim above it and you have to get your arrow. You have to test your wind and your, you, there's a lot of factors. If you're aiming for the, for just to get to purgatory, the saints have warned us you probably won't make it. We need to aim for the highest heaven, and then we might make it to purgatory. <laughs> but the deal is, it's simple in the sense that every day humble ourselves before the Lord and ask him. But you know what? No, everybody doesn't go to heaven. And no, I don't dare that everyone goes to heaven. It, John Paul II said, for me to dare that would be to deny the witness of Scripture. Exactly. So I do not dare to. Wit- I pray and I sacrifice and I. St. Paul said, "What I discipline my body because our body, the flesh, militates against the spirit." Colossians chapter one. And the spirit militates against the flesh, and we have to discipline ourselves to say, "No, I'm not going to give in to yep. self pity. I'm not going to give in to just." self-indulgence and pleasure. I'm not living for that. I'm living for Christ. Mm. So I have to discipline myself. And Mother Teresa was a beautiful example of that. And she was also a beautiful example of, you know, never giving, putting your pearls before swine. She was a simple person. Again, that as a matter of fact, the world, many people in the world have said, what a failure this woman was. I mean, she's taken the feminist movement back a thousand. She goes out into the streets and picks up the dying and she wipes their, she cleans them and she bathes them and she wipes their dirty noses. And it's like, What's wrong with that? She's, she's seeing Jesus Christ in the most abandoned, the people who the world considers so worthless that their own families have thrown them out on garbage heaps. And she saw Christ in those people. And by the way, as Christians, that's what we're called to do. Now, I mean, we may not all be called to do what Mother Teresa did, go out into the streets and pick up the sick and the dying, but everyone we meet, mm-hmm. we are called to see Christ in that person and treat that person the way we would treat Christ. And as this gospel says, the way we want to be treated. So if I was living in sin, I would want you to ask me to repent of my sin Amen. and to get back with Christ. I think so, so. Yes. See, that's how I would want to be treated. So when sometimes we have people say, hey, let them go. They're yeah. living in sin. They're living with their girlfriend. Oh, but Just, they're happy. They're Just, ha- yeah. Really? See, you see, that's false compassion. Absolutely. I call it fake mercy, too. It is. It's false compassion. It's yeah. fake mercy. It's not real. It's not real. So in charity, we have a moral obligation to we share do. the full gospel with people who are not living according to to the gospel, especially our relatives and friends. 
But you know what? People don't care how much you know until they, until know, they know how much, much you care. So do it with charity Absolutely. and clarity. Are, are we treating people? You know, when you treat somebody like a piece of trash and tell them they're no good every yeah. day and they're worthless and they can't, you that know was, what? They can't terrible. hear it. They're not going to hear it from nope. you if you say Jesus loves you. That's right. You know, you have to treat people with kindness. And, That's you know, right. people don't always understand the way you treat them. And even when you're kind to them. And the reality is, you know, I, I, there's a lot of wounded people out there. Mm. Broken families wound people. Um, when there's not a father there, oftentimes young little boys and young boys get molested sexually. Um, yeah. they, they don't get to identify with the father figure, so they don't know how to be a man. And they're hurting inside. They're hurting inside, and they're screaming out for the father they never had. And two out of three boys, Dr. Paul Cameron did a lot of work with homosexuals, and two out of three boys whose first sexual experience is with another male will experience same-sex attraction because they get gender confusion. That's right. And, but they're suffering. You know, it, it's, like, it's like seeing a person who's being eaten up by cancer and say, oh, you know, too bad for you, you know, but have a nice day. Yeah. No, but they're, eating up, they're being eaten up by a cancer of the soul, a cancer of the spirit. No, they need healing and they need wholeness and they can come to healing and wholeness. They can be restored to who they are, who got, and God, what did God make us? He made us either male or female. And he wasn't confused. If, you know, we are what (laughs) we were born. God's not confused about who we are. We get confused. And that's, you know what? I'm not picking on people. And I understand that people are suffering. But turn to the Lord in your need and you will live. Ask the Lord to heal you. Confess your sins and give up your sins. All of us are called to chastity. Every one of us is called to be chaste. And we're all called to keep the Ten Commandments. The arduous task of walking the narrow road. Keep the Ten Commandments. When we come back, we'll give more. You're fired up today. (laughs) Bible with the Barbers on Virgin Most Powerful Radio.
buying or selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites the Terry and Jesse Show. And they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow! That's 80%. Realestateforlife.org, 877-LIFE-US-1. This is Jesse Romero. You're listening to Bible with the Barbers on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Well, thank you, Jesse. And here we are. So remember, go to confession often, frequently. Once a month, the Holy Father Pope John Paul, St. John Paul II said when, when people ask him, what do you mean by frequent confession? He said at least once a month. Here's the deal. Sin degrades us. It separates us from God. It also separates us from one another. So we turn back to God in repentance to say, Lord, I need your grace. And the, the exorcists have told us that a good confession, a good confession is more powerful than an exorcism. So if, we, if you have a sin that you're having a hard time overcoming, fine, go to confession and continue to go to confession and continue to confess it and ask the Lord for the grace to overcome it. And know that, you know, all the Ten Commandments are not suggestions, they're commands by God. And he gave them to us, not because he's trying to um, make us prisoners or limit our freedom. As a matter of fact, it's only in keeping the Ten Commandments that we find freedom. You see, God made us, and he knows what he made us for. He made us for union with himself. And we can't attain that union with him if we're going to entertain sin. And that's, we want to give up the sin. We want to turn to the Lord and and ask for the grace that we need for healing. And although confession is absolutely necessary for our spiritual life, for some people, because of the trauma they have experienced in life, therapy may also be absolutely necessary. So, But ask the Lord. Before you go to any therapist, beg the Lord to give you a good therapist. And when you go to a therapist, say, do you believe in um, the Ten Commandments? Do you believe in original sin? Do you believe that man was made for union with God? And and you might want to ask those questions because there's a lot of therapists out there who are going to just tell you, you know, do whatever feels good for you, you know, and then give you bad advice. So be very, very careful. Ask the Lord to guide and direct you to a good therapist who will truly help you in the healing process. So we were looking at the Acts of the Apostles here. Um, we got to St. Stephen. Last week we read about how the the Peter and the Apostles said it's not right for us to neglect not right for the priests and bishops to neglect the word of God, the preaching of the gospel and prayer, the sacred liturgy, the offering of the, the sacraments in order to wait on tables. So they chose seven men. And one of those seven was Stephen. And Stephen was full of grace and power. And he did great wonders. God worked tremendous wonders and signs. And he also was very eloquent. He was able to speak with the power of the Holy Spirit. When he spoke, the Holy Spirit spoke through him. And the words had that power behind them of the Holy Spirit. And so people couldn't take exception to what he said. And so they got jealous of him. So they turned him into the Sanhedrin. And they said, oh, this man, he's always preaching against the Jews. And he's, you know, preaching these you know, this Jesus whom we crucified, that, that he's going to destroy the temple and, you know, replace it with one not made, you know, you know, they just told a lot of lies. And in chapter seven, Stephen is brought before the Sanhedrin and he speaks to the Sanhedrin. And it's, it, I'm not going to read the whole thing. It's, it's rather lengthy. Chapter seven is rather lengthy, but he goes through all of salvation history, but not beginning with Adam. Okay. He begins with 
Abraham. When Abraham is called by God to leave his people, to leave his father's house, and to set out for another land that God will give him. And so it's the whole story. You know, he, he talks about Abraham. He talks about the patriarchs. He talks about Joseph. He talks about Egypt, their, their exile, you know, the time in Egypt. And then they were slaves and how they were delivered. And God sent Moses and Moses suffered. Moses, you know, the, the Hebrews, when Moses came, they're like, well, who, who set you over us as our judge and ruler? You know, and then Moses is out in the wilderness of Sinai for 40 years. He has to flee Egypt because he killed the Egyptian who was, was um, abusing an Israelite. And by the way, the, the movie got it wrong. There was never a time in his life that Moses didn't know, once he'd reached the age, that he didn't know that he was a Hebrew. He, he didn't think he was an Egyptian. He knew because his mother nursed him. She nursed him till he was three, three years old. And it was when he was five that he went to live in the Pharaoh's house. So he knew his kinsmen and he would go visit them sometimes. And that's why he saw the Egyptian beating up on the Hebrew. And so he killed the Egyptian because it was what he saw was unjust. The next day he comes back and two Hebrews are fighting. And, he, and so he says to the guy who started the fight, well, why are you beating up on your brother, your brothers? And the guy looks at him and said, who appointed you as judge and ruler over us? Well, as a matter of fact, he was the one who had been chosen to be the judge and ruler over them. The guy didn't know it. But Moses knew then because the man said to him, are you going to kill me the way you killed the Egyptian? And Stephen is reminding the Sanhedrin. He's telling him all of this, okay? And then he goes on to how Moses did deliver them. And, you know, all of the, all the mighty works that God had done for Israel. And yet, and then he talks about the time of exit in the, when they're wandering through the desert. And, um, It's interesting because he says at one point that the remember in the in in the desert the Israelites make a calf, right, to worship. So it says God turned and gave them over to the worship of the hosts of heaven as it is written in the book of the prophets. Did you offer to me slain beasts and sacrifices for 40 years in the wilderness, O house of Israel? And you took up the tent of Moloch and the star of the god Rephan, and the figures which you made a, to worship, and I will remove you beyond Babylon. Our fathers had the tent, and then Stephen goes on to explain, our fathers had the tent of witness in the wilderness, even as he who spoke to Moses directed him to make it, and according to the pattern he had seen. And our fathers in turn brought it in with Joshua. So they had the tabernacle and the tent. But remember that first generation that came out of Egypt, None of them entered the Holy Land other than Joshua and Caleb. And um, there was one other whose name saves me right now. But they were faithful. And the Levites were the ones who were made Levites because when Aaron made the golden calf and the people worshiped the golden calf and um, Moses comes down from the mountain and he hears them, the, um, the Levites are the ones who go through the camp and slay the idolaters, the leaders, the ones who are leading the people in idolatry. And that is when the Levites become the priests of the Hebrew people because they were willing to defend the Lord. And, and even if their own kinsmen were unfaithful to the Lord, they were willing to put them to death, not out of vengeance, 
but out of a way to say, sin is such a grave offense that we can't allow these people to live because they will lead us into sin. So we ask God to judge them mercifully, but what they have done is worse than taking our life because they've taken the life of our soul. Now that was provisional, okay? That wasn't something that was meant to be carried on into the New Testament. Christians don't go around killing people and forcing them to be converted, okay? And if you actually read a true um, account, if you actually study a true account of the, um, the, in- the Inquisition, it wasn't about forcing Jews to, to embrace Christianity. That's not what it was about. It was about trying to defend Christendom and trying to defend um, Christendom from error and trying to defend society from error and falling into debauchery and trying to keep society from falling away from God. That Matthew Arnold, our, one of our radio hosts, did a great set on that. You can call 877-526-2151 and get his set on the Crusades and his set on uh, the Inquisition because he gives you a historical perspective and he, it's, it's, it's awesome. So Stephen is telling them, you know, that all of this happened and then Solomon comes and David wasn't the one who was supposed to build the temple. Solomon was. Solomon builds the temple and, um, but God doesn't dwell in temples that are made by human hands. Yes, he dwells there if he chooses to, but it doesn't, he's not confined to that. And he did dwell. God's presence was there in the temple. When they were in the wilderness, the glory cloud would come over the tent and then the people would stay. They wouldn't move on. And when the glory cloud lifted, then they would move on. So God was the one who told them how long to stay, when to move. And um, Moses could speak to God face to face. And Moses would go into the presence of God. And when he came out, his face would be glowing. That glow wasn't from Moses. That glow was the presence of God within him. And the people were afraid of him. He had to cover his face because the people were afraid of him. Well, you know what? If we're not sinning, we're not afraid of God. It's when we want to live in sin that we're afraid to turn to God and look at him. Because when we look at God, we see the darkness. We see the evil. We see the destruction that sin has done to us. And then we're ashamed. Fine, turn to him. It's like a little child who goes and plays in the mud, you know, and then he comes running back to the house and he's smiling, look at me, mommy. And he runs into the kitchen where she's just mopped the floor and he's just exuberant. And it's like, oh, well, don't get upset with him. Look at him and say, oh, honey, how fun. You had a good time in the mud. Well, let's wash you off outside in the hose and then let's get you cleaned up (laughs) and mop up the floor. Try not to lose your temper there. (laughs) Take a deep breath, count to 10. Remember, this is your child. But that's the way God is with us. Oh, daddy, look what I did. You know, we go out and we have a great time and we get drunk or we commit fornication or we lie to somebody or something, but we had a great time doing it. And then we come back, we're like, oh yeah, it was so much fun. And it's like, God looks at us and he says, but do you see the destruction you've done to yourself? I can clean you if you're willing to admit that what you did was wrong. Now, it wasn't wrong for the little child to play in the mud, okay? Analogies limp, okay? But for us, it is wrong to sin and it destroys us. So Stephen is telling them all this history. And then Stephen, in verse 51 now, you know, some people would say, well, we have to be diplomatic when we deal with people and we have to be kind and gentle. And so after he goes through this whole salvation history to show that I, I see, I, I am an Israelite, <clears throat> I know the history. And then in verse 51, what does he say? 
You stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit as did your fathers, which the prophets, which of the prophets did not your fathers persecute? And they killed those who announced beforehand the coming of the righteous one, whom you have now betrayed and murdered. You who received the law as delivered by the angels and did not keep it. Uh, Could he have been a little more diplomatic? Do you think they might have gotten quite as angry if he hadn't said that? He calls them out. (laughs) And that music is playing. We're coming up against a break here. Uh, If you have a question, you can call 888-526-2151. If you'd like to make a donation or get Matthew Arnold's set on the Inquisition and the Crusades, 877-526-2151. Be back in a minute. Buying or selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites The Terry and Jesse Show. And they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow! That's 80%! Realestateforlife.org, 877-LIFE-US1. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. So um, we were talking about Stephen here and, and his uh, his speech that he gives before the Sanhedrin, which, by the way, if you go back to chapter 6, the very last verse of chapter 6, as they begin this trial, the Sanhedrin is looking intently at Stephen 
And verse 15 says, and his face was like that of an angel. So it's funny, you know, don't confuse me with the facts. I don't want to hear them. And that's kind of what happens here. And in the end, he tells him, he said, you know, your fathers put the prophets to death and then you put the Messiah to death, whom the prophets had promised. And he, he, call, he says they're stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in heart. The circumcision of the body was only an outward sign of the circumcision of the heart. And the circumcision of the heart is to let go of all my attachment to myself, my own self-will, and the things of this world in order to cling to God. And it's not just Christians, the Jews also. Remember, Christianity is not the repudiation of Judaism. It's the fulfillment of it and the completion of it. It's the fullness of everything that God had revealed in the Old Testament. We cannot throw out the Old Testament. You know, the New Testament is hidden there. And it's only with the New Testament that we fully understand. It's the, new, the Old Testament is revealed in the New it's fully brought to light, and then we understand that everything was God was talking about. So without one or the other, we don't understand them. We have to have both of them together to understand the whole. So Stephen <clears throat> reprimands them and tells them, <clears throat> you've been stiff-necked, and he's inviting them to repent is what he's inviting them to do. And um, they weren't very happy about that. So they heard these things, and they were enraged, and they ground their teeth at him. You know, and you get really angry and you grind your teeth. Yeah, well, and, um, but Stephen was full of the Holy Spirit and he's gazing up into heaven and he sees Jesus standing at the right hand of God. The heavens are open and he sees Jesus standing there at the right hand of God. And he says, behold, I see the heavens open and the son of man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears. Do you remember how when you were little kids and you didn't want to hear something that somebody was saying, you'd put your fingers in and you'd go blah, 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 so that you couldn't hear them? Well, that's what these people are doing. They're acting like little kids. We don't want to hear. He's telling us, he's witnessing to us that Jesus Christ is in heaven with the Father. And they're like, no, 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 no. We don't want to hear this. And so they cast him out of the city and they stone him. And who, at whose feet are they piling their cloaks? You know, they take their cloaks off to stone the man. And they're piling their feet at the, at the feet. They're piling their cloaks. Excuse me. They're piling their cloaks, not their feet. Sorry. They're piling their cloaks at the feet of a man named Saul. By the way, Jesus didn't change Saul's name. Saul Paul. He was a Roman citizen because he was born in Tarsus. So he had a Hebrew name, Saul, and he had a Roman name, Paul. And so Saul, Saul is concurring in that. There's just one other point I want to make. I'm sorry, I'm going to skip back here for just a second to um, verse 53 because it says, You who receive the law as delivered by angels. It is through the ministry of the angels that God works in the world. And so the Ten Commandments are given to us through the ministry of the angels. As a matter of fact, years ago, <clears throat> when we had um, the St. Joseph Communications, before the Catholic Resource Center existed, Father Brian Malady, Dominican, did a set called Through the Ministry of Angels on the Ten Commandments. So, um, and I'm sure we probably still, I hope, we still have the original recordings there that we could maybe make available to some people. I'll have to mention that to Terry that I said that. Oops, bringing up a little history here, a little ancient history. Might have to dust some things off. But through the ministry of angels, the angels are always there to help us. Do you know that your guardian angel is at your side all the time, even when you're sinning? And he doesn't abandon you. He doesn't 
run away. We should treat each other the way we, our guardian angel treats us. He's always admonishing us to do what God wants us to do, to be faithful to the Lord, to do our duty, to do our daily duty, to keep the Ten Commandments, to pray. It's, we have a duty to pray. God made us. We couldn't even exist except that God brought us into existence. And if he forgot about us for a nanosecond, you know, for the, the smallest fraction of a second, we would cease to be. And nobody would even remember that we were because we wouldn't be. If God forgot us, we wouldn't be. And so the angel is always there exhorting us, do the will of God. Be faithful to God. God has a great glory plan for you. He has heaven waiting for you. You're going to share in his life. He wants to show you the fullness of his life. He wants to share with you the fullness of his life. He wants to glorify you. God glorifies his saints because he is glorified in his saints. God's not stingy about his glory. He made us to share his glory with us. Why did God make us? God made us to show forth his goodness and to share with us his everlasting happiness. That's why God made us to share with us, to show forth his goodness and share with us his after everlasting happiness. How will we share his everlasting happiness? By knowing him, loving him, and serving him on this earth. How can we know him if we don't spend time with him? And how can we spend time with him if we never pray? Yes, we have time to pray. You are letting the things of this world, if you say you don't have time to pray, you've allowed the things of this world to fill up your time and you're serving the world, your own flesh, and perhaps Satan. If we're sinning, we're slaves of Satan. And Jesus gave a warning about that. He said, anyone who sins is a slave of sin and no slave has a permanent household, permanent place in his father's household, has no permanent place in his father's household. So if we're sinning, we're slaves of sin. Now, that's why we go to confession. And by the way, going to confession every week, you know, or at least once a month, not, not because you have a mortal sin, but because it's called devotional confession. You can confess venial sins. It, it's a remedy. It strengthens you against sin so that you have a temptation. You'll resist it. If we just compromise with venial sin, say, oh, it's just a little sin, so what? You know, and just go on little sin and little sin. No, no number of venial sins can ever equal a mortal sin. But... Every sin we commit weakens our will and darkens our intellect and makes it easier for us to commit a mortal sin. So we want to give up committing the little sins before we start committing mortal sins. And if we're already committing mortal sins, we need to turn back to God and beg him for the grace to overcome those. Go to confession on a regular basis. Go to Holy Communion frequently, daily if possible. Give us this day our daily bread, that petition in the Our Father is a specific petition for the Eucharist every day. The early church met daily for the breaking of the bread. That wasn't a community meal. That was the living memorial, unbloody reenactment of Christ's entire Paschal mystery. Daily they met for that. So now we're back to Saul concurring in the act of Stephen's stoning. And as they're stoning Stephen, what does he say? Well, Lord, I know you're going to take vengeance on them and you're going to get them. Those sinners out there, they're so bad and you're going to wipe them out and you're going to come and knock out all the bad guys so that we Christians can live a happy life and, and be at peace and not be attacked. And right. That's what he's saying. Yeah. That is, that's what we think, right? Somebody picks on us. is like, why are they picking on us? Why are they always picking on the Christians? Why are they always persecuting the Christians? That doesn't mean we shouldn't fight for the rights of Christians. We need to fight for our rights. We shouldn't just be dormant. 
But we need to be clever as serpents and gentle as doves. And we need to always be praying for those who persecute us. Pray for those who persecute you and calumniate you, who lie about you. Pray for those who lie about you. You know, we're supposed to treat one another the way God treats us. He has his rain fall on the good and the bad. The sun shines on the just and the unjust. God loves us all. He loves the souls in hell. As a matter of fact, he loves the devil who rejected him. But you know what? The souls in hell and the devil cannot return that love. So we need to learn to enter into this love relationship with God. We need to do spiritual reading every single day. And the first spiritual reading is your scripture. And then go to the writings of the saints. Because that's the way we enter into conversation. Our prayer life should be a conversation with God. And this is what Stephen was doing. He had entered into this constant conversation with God, where he was living only for God. And so as they're stoning him, no, he doesn't condemn the people. He says, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And then as he kneels down, he cries out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he said this, he fell asleep. Well, who is he imitating here? What did Jesus say on the cross? When the darkness covered the land from the sixth hour to the ninth hour, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they do. And so oftentimes we want to look at people who are doing what's wrong. Oh, but they do know. They really know. Well, I don't know if they know or not. You know, maybe they do. Maybe they don't. Sometimes we think we know a lot. We really do not know what goes on in the heart of a man. And we need to pray. We should be praying daily for the conversion of sinners. This is one of the things Our Lady taught the children at Fatima. And they did this. They prayed and sacrificed. They were little children who didn't have a lot. And they gave away their lunches to other children who had less. And they went all day without eating. And then they, you could eat the acorns off the trees. Acorns are edible, but they would, they would eat the most bitter ones. They would find the, the oak trees that had the most bitter acorns, and those are the ones they'd eat. <laughs> so they, they, and and they, one of their sacrifices, by the way, was to spend hours in the field kneeling on the ground with their heads bowed to the ground, praying the prayers that are, the angel taught them. In honor of the Blessed Sacrament, Most Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I adore you profoundly. I offer you the precious body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ present in all the tabernacles of the world in reparation for the outrageous, sacrilegious, and indifference by which he is offended and through the infinite merits of his most sacred heart and through the immaculate heart of Mary, I beg of you the conversion of poor sinners. They would pray that for hours. And they would pray, my God, I believe, I adore, I hope, and I love you. And I beg pardon for those who do not believe, do not adore, do not hope, and do not love you. So Stephen, as he's dying, imitates our Savior, Jesus Christ, whom we should all imitate. Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Into your hands I commend my spirit. We need to pray for those who persecute Christians. We need to pray for the conversion of all who are persecuting the church, those within the church and those without. We need to pray for the conversion and the healing of all the people who have been wounded and have allowed their emotions to dictate their life to them. You you know, when you've been wounded, when you've been molested or a grave injustice has been committed against you, your emotions tell you you're not worthy of being loved and you're not capable of loving and not worthy of being loved. That's a lie. 
We need to renounce that lie and we need to tell our emotions. Yes, you're real, but you don't authentically represent reality. And I choose to believe the voice of truth. And the voice of truth is the voice of the Lord that says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And God so loved the world that he gave his only son that all who believe in him might not perish, but might have eternal life. That's what Jesus Christ came to give us. Lord Jesus, give us this eternal life. Pour out your precious blood upon us for healing and mercy, for reconciliation. Lord, help us to know you, to love you, to serve you, and to trust in your goodness and mercy. It's been great being with you. I hope you come back again next week. I'm taking a break from Bible study for the summer. I, tomorrow, Thursday will be my last afternoon Bible study. Hope to see you all in September, but I'll be here on the radio. St. Faustina's Prayer for Priests. Oh, my Jesus, I beg thee on behalf of the whole church, grant it love and the light of thy spirit, and give power to the words of priests, so that hardened hearts might be brought to repentance and return to thee, O Lord. Lord, give us holy priests. Thou thyself maintain them in holiness. O divine and great high priest, May the power of thy mercy accompany them everywhere and protect them from the devil's traps and snares, which are continually being set for the souls of priests. May the power of thy mercy, O Lord, shatter and bring to naught all that might tarnish the sanctity of priests. For thou canst do all things. Amen. Virgin Most Powerful, pray for us. Virgin Most Powerful Radio, sharing the gospel with clarity and charity.